Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Hi, I'm Blair Bathory, and this is the Something Scary Podcast. Thank you so much for being here. Whether it's your first time delving into the darkness or if you are brave enough to make a return visit, welcome. Tis the season for Christmas, Hanukkah, Kwanzaa, and the new year. While we're celebrating with family and friends, we let down our guard and enjoy the season. And it's then, when we're not paying attention, that we're most vulnerable. We're open to evil spirits and terrible people who take advantage of our good intentions. For those who become the victims, it won't be a happy holiday, but a very bloody one. First, a deal with the devil followed by one last miracle, then a murderous mystery solved. Finally, in our featured story, terror right inside your home. If you'd like to join our Patreon and get bonus episodes and access to our Discord and other promotions, now is a great time to do it. Go to patreon.com slash something scary and join our community of fans and horror lovers. So, Want to hear something scary? A very bloody holiday. We all strive to be good, but it's not every day straying off the path will end in our demise. Like in this story, inspired by Blaze. Felix looked up at his mother, begging her to let him stay awake. She told him he'd have to go to sleep and behave if he didn't want Krampus to get him. His eyes widened with fright. He did not want Krampus to come. He'd set cookies out for Santa before heading off to bed. Do you think he'll like this? He asked, pulling a card from his robe pocket. His mother took a look. In a childish, painstaking scrawl, he had written, For Satan... His mother smiled and stifled a laugh. She told him Santa would love it, but he better get to sleep before he got coal in his stocking. Felix thought about what his mother said. Surely St. Nick wouldn't leave him coal simply for staying up to meet him. An idea took form within his six-year-old mind as he hatched the perfect plan. The grandfather clock echoed throughout the otherwise silent house. Felix slid out of his bed and into the darkness. He paused for a moment, briefly startled by his father's deep snores. Creeping down the stairs, he headed towards the living room, 
Shadows danced by the fire as Felix tiptoed into the room. Partially hidden behind the Christmas tree was a figure, tall and red. The floorboard creaked, and the figure turned. Shining in the firelight were two glistening black horns. Santa? He murmured. The figure shook with laughter, full and resonant. He stepped into the light, brushing crumbs from his V-shaped goatee. He flashed a brilliant, sharp-looking smile. It was not Santa. The figure approached Felix, card in hand. Turning it over, Satan said, You left these for me? I've had many gifts laid out for me over the centuries. Chickens, goats, cows, even children. He was no longer smiling, but glaring at Felix intently. This is a first, he said, gesturing toward the crumbs on the plate. I'm feeling generous. Reaching out, he pressed the card into Felix's hand. Call me if you need anything. Felix blinked, and the demon was gone. He opened his hand and revealed the card. On one side were his words, For Satan. On the side opposite, written in fancy, shiny black script, were the words, Vignette Satan. Years passed and Felix grew up. He was no longer a wide-eyed child, but an annoying middle schooler, barely 13, and already an apathetic teenager. He was angry and bitter after his parents' divorce. He had been picked up by the cops for a few minor offenses, shoplifting being the most recent. He felt like the world owed him happiness. Few things brought him joy, but cookies for Santa were one of the few things that did. His mother had risen early to bake Christmas cookies. He hated himself for the trouble he had been causing her, but anger and pride prevented him from showing contrition. Felix snagged a cookie, then went to help unpack boxes of decorations. There he came upon a small, crumpled piece of paper. He thought for a moment, remembering a dream from long ago. Shrugging, he shoved it into the pocket of his jeans. With less than a week until Christmas, Felix thought about getting his mother a gift. It was their first Christmas alone together. Jackson's Market had a little shop with pretty jewelry. Once he convinced himself he could swipe something easily enough, Felix settled into the chair and drifted off watching an old black and white version of A Christmas Carol. It began softly, an almost muted jingling. It rang out again louder, pulling Felix out of his sleep. He reached for the remote and turned off the television, plunging the room into near darkness bathed in the soft glow of the Christmas tree. His eyes moved to the ceiling as he heard heavy footsteps above him. I must be dreaming. It isn't even Christmas Eve, he thought. Next came a whooshing sound, followed by a solid thud. Peering into the fireplace, Felix could make out what appeared to be a large, hairy foot, and next to it, a cloven hoof. A pungent odor, musky and putrid, penetrated the air, causing Felix to force back bile. A large, hulking figure emerged from the mouth of the fireplace. 
as it rose to its full height, it reached the ceiling. Horns like rams sat upon its head, set above a pair of red, glowing eyes. A jaw stretched into a sort of grin, revealing razor-sharp teeth. Felix patted himself down, trying to find his phone. Driving a hand into his pocket, he withdrew the crumpled paper from earlier. A flash of a memory overtook him. A creature, red and powerful. Holding the note close to his face, Felix shouted out with growing intensity, Vinyata Satan! Vinyata Satan! Vinyata Satan! A malodorous scent like sulfur snaked into the room as the devil himself appeared. In pure panic, Felix put the demon between himself and the beast and screeched, fight him! The devil smiled a slick grin and he turned towards Krampus. The beast charged at him and he stepped lightly to the side, almost playfully. Felix watched, transfixed. With his hulking arm, Krampus lifted the giant chain and swung it towards Satan. The devil leapt out of the way. Turning, he smiled and winked at Felix. His arrogance cost him as Krampus swung the chain again. This time, it's long hooked in, grazing the fallen angel and tearing open a shallow gash across his chest. Krampus paused as the devil eyed the Christmas tree and then flicked his eyes toward him as he sized up his chances. Krampus demanded to know why the demon was there on his holiday. He had rights to the boy. The devil said he always followed through on a promise, even if it was made years ago. The Krampus's claw hand rubbed thoughtfully on its beard. He asked if the devil liked a bargain and he nodded yes. Krampus proposed the devil could have Felix's soul after Krampus finished with his human body. The devil's face lit up. It was a deal. Felix, who up until this point had been watching in sick fascination, stared at the devil, eyes wide. If Satan had made him a deal all those years ago, he had to keep his word. But the devil replied that he had kept it. Felix asked him to fight Krampus, and so he did. And he lost. With those words, the devil gracefully stepped out of the way as Krampus lassoed his thick chains around Felix. They circled around his body, digging into his cheeks, neck, and torso. He screamed in agony. He had been bad, with no plans to change. Krampus hauled Felix toward the chimney, leaving a trail of crimson behind him. The devil stood, amused, watching the spectacle play out before him. The following morning, Felix's mother walked into the kitchen to find a rather red gentleman seated at her table. He was finishing off a large platter of cookies and popped one last piece into his mouth, dusting off his hands before looking up. Feigning surprise, he asked, Oh, those weren't for me? And Satan smiled as she screamed. Have you ever made a deal with the devil? Would it be worth it? What do you think the consequences of a deal like that would be? 
Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. If you don't follow the light and stray from the path, you'll be headed towards some dark and damaging consequences. Like in this story written by Janine Pipe and inspired by a true story from the haunted holidays of Kentucky Ghost. Jenna peered out the snow-covered yard and yet again felt incredibly sorry for herself. She knew all her friends would be enjoying themselves in the park, building snowmen, drinking cocoa, and flirting as they huddled together to keep warm. But it was Hanukkah, and her parents had wanted her to stay home since they had a long trip ahead of them tomorrow to see her grandpa, who was now in a nursing home. He'd been there since her grandma passed, and truthfully, Jenna missed him. Both grandparents had stayed with them while Jenna's mom cared for her grandma. It had been over a year ago, but the house still smelled faintly of lavender, and she liked it. However, looking forward to seeing grandpa did not mean she wasn't mad about not being able to hang out with the rest of her class, especially a certain 10th grade baseball captain But as the early evening wore on and her parents sent her off to bed in order to be rested, she decided to sneak out of the house. There were woods behind her house that she could cut through and get to the park much quicker than using the sidewalk in front of the house. It would be much darker without streetlights, but she was sure she'd be fine. There'd been a couple of animal attacks there during the summer but she reasoned that whatever had been snacking on the neighborhood pets was likely hibernating by now. She climbed out her window and glanced quickly back at the house. No lights came on, indicating her parents had heard her. The windows all remained in shadow. Off she headed into the woods. 30 minutes later, Jenna was in the middle of a snowball fight and had absolutely no regrets about sneaking out. 60 minutes and a long conversation with the baseball captain later, she was on top of the world. That is, until it started snowing again, quite heavily, and everyone went home. She was the only one heading back in the direction of her house, the only one traipsing through the woods in the darkness, fresh snow swirling around her and reducing what little visibility she had. Jenna began to panic. It should have only taken her about 10 minutes to hike back through the woods, but she couldn't see a thing in front of her. At this point, she didn't even know if she was heading in the right direction of her house or walking in circles. The flurry was getting stronger and she was getting colder by the second. She heard a branch snap 
and she startled. What sort of nocturnal predators were out looking for their dinner? What if whatever had been picking off the local pets didn't hibernate and was after a full meal rather than a snack? Jenna started to cry, an overwhelming feeling of regret and fear taking over. As she trudged through the drift, she started to think there were deadly creatures all around her, their eyes watching and their mouths waiting to be fed. And what if they weren't even animals? What if she was just being punished for sneaking out? Was she going to be gutted by a hookman or torn to shreds by a... She shrieked, startled by the sudden flapping over her. This was it, she thought. Was it a vampire or a harpy? And then she saw an owl. She sobbed with relief, but looking up at the branches where the bird now rested, she noticed something else in the distance. A light. A flickering light. She didn't know what it was, but it was the only thing she had, a literal beacon of hope. And so Jenna walked towards it, slowly and carefully as to not trip, but she was now at least able to keep going in the same direction. All of a sudden, the trees began to thin, and there she was, back on her street. She shook her head in wonder and realized the flickering light was actually coming from the second story of her own house. She couldn't figure out what it was. It looked like flickering flames from the menorah candles. But they had burned out by now, and they didn't even have the menorah in that room. Quietly, she snuck back in through her bedroom window. She heard her dad snoring and the bed creak as her mom rolled over to poke him. She heard the family dog snuffling in his slumber. She crept up the stairs and waited outside the door to the bedroom. Taking a deep breath, she opened it. Of course, it was empty. It had been since Grandma passed and Grandpa moved into the home. The curtains were closed, so she slowly walked over and drew them back. There it was, Grandma's menorah. Nine brand new unlit candles were placed in each holder. Suddenly, Jenna smiled. She drew the curtains and retreated from the room. She inhaled and whispered, Thank you, Grandma. The smell of lavender followed her down the stairs. It remained until she drifted off to sleep. Have you ever felt the presence of a loved one who passed? Did you feel like they were telling you something? Did you actually communicate with them? Tell us your story at somethingscary@snarl.com. Some mysteries will haunt you once you discover the truth. Like in this story, written by Mike Lee. The night was silent. The lights of police cruisers flickered blue and red, along with the illuminations of gold Christmas decorations in suburbia. And where are the children? Police Chief Bernard asked. Officer Donner shrugged anxiously. He didn't know. His nose was red and running from an evening spent scoring the local woods for two more missing children, Noelle and Holly Pepper. They couldn't have gone far. They were just kids. 
you'd be surprised what children could do. A stooped figure uttered from the open hallway. The two police turned to see who was speaking. They rolled their eyes at Detective Charles Dancer. He entered the crime scene, making himself at home in the family's living room. He folded his coat into a neat pile and placed it methodically on the coffee table, careful not to get the now thickening pull of blood from Mr. and Mrs. Pepper on his sheepskin collar. Dancer glanced at the table. He saw a large butcher's knife recently used, the attack so vicious and clumsy the tip of the weapon now bent and useless. Someone went to town tonight and it sure wasn't Santa, the detective thought. Why did Christmas seem to spark the best and worst in people at the same time? The murder weapon was the centerpiece of the table, the blood from Mr. Pepper still dripping into a darkening pool on the floor. It was 10.15 p.m. on Christmas Eve, less than two hours to go till Christmas. This had been the third set of murders in just three days. Same M.O., same everything. Dead parents and missing kids. On the first day of Christmas, my true love gave to me. The 12 days of Christmas, the Yuletide Carol had been playing in his head on permanent repeat. Four missing children, three butchered families, two anonymous callers, one big bloody puzzle. He whistled the song's melody through gapped teeth and chapped lips. And a partridge in a pear tree. He held the final note as his breath gave out, his lungs still aching from the outside cold. Looking around, Dancer crept up to the Christmas tree in the corner of the room, careful not to disturb the grisly scene. The tinsel-covered pine was a totem of flesh and crudely hacked body parts wrapped in twinkling Christmas lights. The fairy atop the tree was replaced by a single, skewered emerald eyeball. Well, there's no sign of breaking and entering. Maybe it was Santa, Donner cut in. Bernard shook his head. What's the matter, Bernie? Don't believe in Christmas miracles? Dancer shot back. Mrs. Pepper lay in the middle of the room, her festive pajamas soaked in blood and mulled wine. The stench prompted the detective to slide the patio doors open, the heavy winter wind doing most of the work for him as he unlatched the lock. Christmas cards spun around the room with a forceful winter drift while tiny baubles and bells clashed together from the tree along with the appendages of Mr. Pepper. Dancer clawed back the shifting glass doors and closed the latch. He looked at the now disturbed scene and once again viewed the eyeball on top of the tree, the green iris wide and focused. What is it you want me to see? He thought. Everything appeared to Dancer as a small part of an otherwise bigger and bloodier puzzle, a macabre jigsaw of flesh and bone, no doubt the killer or killer's idea of a family entertainment. He took in every detail. A Polaroid picture was placed on the mantle. It showed the parents, Mr. and Mrs. Pepper bound and gagged to a chair with tinsel and ribbons. What was the motive here? Dancer asked. He studied the Polaroid for clues, thinking motive would give them their answer. 
In the picture next to Mr. Pepper's tied ankle stood a Frankenstein figurine. The detective struggled to make out the note underneath the green monster's heavy heels. A child's scribble making the message ineligible. Where is this? He asked, prodding the blurry Polaroid. Dancer motioned for the two officers to move closer to the fuzzy snapshot. Donner pointed beneath a wreath adorned with fake berries and twigs, the blood-covered toy of Frankenstein lying below. Its arms and legs were removed, just like the deceased Mr. Pepper. No, not that. That! Dancer pointed again, stabbing his finger at the child's note in the picture. The three not-so-wise men searched the room, each officer scrutinizing all manner of Christmas trinkets and holiday gifts. Officer Donner knelt underneath the mantle lined with happy family photos. He looked back at Mrs. Pepper. In her hand, the pieces of torn paper, the remnants of a child's note. Dancer took the paper, careful not to tear it. He could read two words written in the bold red crayon. Dear Santa, it was a Christmas list. He read on. No, it was a naughty list. He flipped over the Polaroid picture to find the writing. Liars, written on the back. Charlie took out the handkerchief and wiped the newly formed sweat from his forehead. The puzzle solved, and the jigsaw placed together in all its terrible entirety. It was the children, he whispered. Donner and Chief Bernard glanced towards the frosted windows at the front of the house. A choir of sweet voices rose atop the winter wind. Detective Charles Dancer made his way over and peered out, praying it was only Christmas carolers. But in his gut, he knew the truth. The three men gazed out the window, horrified at the no longer missing children. Rosie cheeked from slaughter and brandishing knives for carving. The night was no longer silent. Are there any terrible mysteries you have had to solve? Did it have a happy ending? Or a dreadful one like this tale? In our final story, join my co-host Stephanie as she tells the tale of Christmas Horror, written by L. Marie Wood and animated over on our YouTube channel. The holidays are usually a time of joy and celebration filled with traditions, but if those annual activities turn deadly, you could be in for a killer Christmas. Marley could feel it before she opened the door. Something dropped in her stomach as she reached for the doorknob, protesting, begging her to turn away and leave. I hate that tree, Marley thought as she walked into her house. She aggressively approached the blinking lights before she could even close the door. Green, red, orange, blue, white. Blinking fast, then slowly, then fast again because her mother hadn't set the speed. She just left the lights to cycle through whatever the factory setting was. Marley knew they were Christmas lights, but they felt like eyes when she came into the room and saw them changing color while she watched, almost like they were blinking at her. Blinking at her from behind these gaudy Christmas ornaments clustered in front, 
ornaments that almost drowned out the consistent blinking. Almost. Marley groaned as she walked in, unable to pull her eyes away from the monstrosity, the monster. She eyed it, and from somewhere beneath the lights and ornaments and tinsel, it stared right back at her. Marley walked toward the tree, deeper into the living room, scattered with the storage bins that held those offensive ornaments and other collective tree trash for most of the year. Her shoulders instinctively raising with every step. She didn't feel it happening, but knew what was going on. Marley was preparing herself to fight, preparing herself for battle. Because it was in there. And this year, she was going to get it out. The wind whipped outside the open front door, pushing in the cold air and letting out the warmth. But Marley didn't even feel the chill in the air. She threw her backpack to the floor. She needed her hands free for what was to come. Marley's chest heaved as the tree vibrated. The tree reached out to Marley, surprising her. She craned her neck, cringing, spine arching, desperate not to feel the coarse bristles against her skin as the branches elongated, stretched their plastic tips towards Marley's face. Her feet tangled beneath her, and she shrieked in a surprise as she fell, a sound she wished she hadn't made. Now her mother would come to see what was wrong. Her mother would come and ask why the door was open. Her mother would see what lived in the tree, and it would go after her too. Its bloody mouth spread into a smile, as if it could read Marley's thoughts. Marley could see its eyes now, set deep in the thick of the fake tree that was older than she was. Marley knew her mother had played Christmas songs by Johnny Mathis and drank wine as she trimmed the tree just like she did every year. And just like every year before that one, the beast in the tree woke up, blinked its hateful eyes, and waited. For what? Marley didn't know. Maybe for Marley to get too close so it could stick its metal fasteners in one of her eyes, or scratch her face as she reached for presents? Her mother never seemed to notice. Maybe, Marley had time to wonder. It was just waiting for me. Marley's hair pulled from her scalp as a branch she hadn't noticed wound itself around a few braids. Enough to hurt, enough to trap her. Marley wanted to scream, wanted to open her mouth and call for help, but the branches pressed into her mouth, ripping her tongue from her jaw and diving through the tunnel of her throat to strangle her breath. Some of the tinsel on the lower branches was knocked loose and tangled itself in Marley's hair as she was dragged under it, into it. It was a perfect wrapping for the perfect gift. Joanne came from the basement with another bin full of ornaments and put them on the floor in front of the tree. She stood straight, placed her hands on her hips, tired from walking up the stairs, mostly, but almost because there really wasn't any more room for more ornaments. She plumped the limbs, marveling at how such an old tree could still look so brand new, full and flush like she felt after a satisfying meal. Then she spotted it. Maybe 
there was room for a few more. Joanne thought as she smiled. Right there, where Marley dropped her bag. This week's podcast stories were edited by Sarah Lukasiewicz, Janine Pipe, and Stephanie Strange. Narration by Blair Bathory and Stephanie Strange. Audio edited and mixed by Fitz Harris. Additional audio editing by Calvin Linderman. Art and graphics by Irma Richardson. Produced by Anna Villalobos. Executive produced by Gail Gilman. Music by Sapphire Sandalo and Calvin Linderman. If you have a story you'd like to submit, send me an email at somethingscary@snarl.com. Don't forget to watch the video version of Something Scary over at youtube.com snarled. And if you'd like to support the show and everything we do at Snarled, join our Patreon at patreon.com snarled. Until next time, my spooky friends, sweet screams. <laughs>